One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to How to Date, a show about how to master the messy, complex, challenging, and bizarre world of dating when you really didn't think you'd be back here again. I'm your host, Dr. Amantha Imber. And I'm your co-host, Monique Robin. So, Amantha, who have we got on today's show? Today, we've got a woman who is known as Australia's millionaire matchmaker, Trudy Gilbert. What does that mean? Does that mean she's a millionaire, she sets you up with millionaires, or you have to be a millionaire to be set up? Um, Maybe a combination of all of that. So essentially for the last 15 years, she's ran a matchmaking agency where she, I think she just works like with the cream of the crop and matchmakes people. Oh, hang on. Why aren't we part of that agency? <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm excited to share our chat with Trudy because she's got some quite interesting opinions on what we should be looking for in a partner and particularly the, the difference between how men and women should be acting on dates, particularly on a first date. Yeah, she's got a lot of insight into how men and women should behave differently on dates. Yeah, which makes sense given she's – like she's literally worked with thousands of people trying to create matches. So really interested to share Trudy's perspective today. So how was your week in dating, Monique? No news, Amanda. Still traumatized by the dating scam. I laugh about it, but it's true. Like I'm just not, don't have my dating mojo. What about you? What did you get up to? Uh, well, I've started a mindset shift where I realized that last year in 2020, I went on a lot of first dates and the only second dates I went on were guys that I ended up in like mid or like short to medium term relationships with. And I was quite sort of shocked at that. That Mm. suggests that I was very judgmental on my first dates, which I was. And I read in... Hang on. Yeah. It could also suggest that you'd take anything that would go on a second date. (laughs) (laughs) It could, although I was doing the rejecting Monique thing. So Um, so anyway, so I read this book. I can't remember which book I got it from, but the, the, the author had basically said... You should default to a second date. And what what the author meant by the, I think it was a female that wrote the book, is that people are generally not really themselves on a first date. They're generally pretty nervous and they're not like you're not seeing their full personality on display. And so she said, look, unless there's an absolute deal breaker on the first date, you should always give them the benefit of the doubt and go on a second date. And this was completely revolutionary for me because I I think was very judgmental on all the first dates that I went on and I was just, you know, within five minutes I was just like, no, no, definitely not. And so now what I've started doing is I've started approaching first dates and just assuming there will be a second date, which I think makes me more open-minded. So in the last couple of months there have been a couple of occasions where I I was was still a bit judgmental on first dates and I have had some where I've just had first dates but there have been a few where I have gone on a second date and even a third date and what I've noticed on the second date 
is that it's been really different from the first date. Like there's just been a different energy and there's familiarity and 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 in some cases like the chemistry was completely different. Like the first date was a bit, you know, both on our best behavior, they're possibly a bit nervous. I tend not to get nervous on first dates because I've been on so many. Um, but I find that most guys will be a bit nervous to a lot nervous. And then on the second date, though, they won't really be nervous at all. And so I'll get to see more of their true selves. So I found that to be really, really effective. And I've actually had some great second dates. Unfortunately, the third date was then not so good. So they haven't evolved into relationships, but good second date. Maybe you need a third date mindset. I need a third <laughs> date. But I am getting to the third date. But then what I'm finding is that as I'm learning more and more about the person, I'm just like, yeah, that's that's not going to work. There's some really big issues there that, that are just... Yeah, that are kind of deal breakers. And the other thing I think that has changed my view on this is that I read some research that for successful long-term relationships, it's only about 50% of the time where people felt that initial spark or initial chemistry. And I think it's really easy to go into dating and write people off if there's not that initial chemistry, which is like, well, if it's not there initially, then it's never going to grow. But I think what I found is that it, it might not fully be there on the first date, but then it can grow in the second and third date and even beyond then. So it's also made me more open to going, okay, so long as there are no major deal breakers and we get along pretty well on the first date, I'm going to default to having a second date and seeing if that chemistry can grow. And also just realizing that people can be really different and a whole lot better on a second date compared to the first date because they're more open and more comfortable. Yeah, and you you do a lot of public speaking. You meet a lot of different people in your your job. You take it for granted how easy it is for you to be in unusual situations and talking about yourself, whereas for some people it can be the most nerve-wracking experience ever and I think that we have to be receptive to the fact that a person can't really be them tr- their true self until the second date. Yeah, definitely. Our guest on today's show is Trudy Gilbert. Trudy is the founder of Elite Introductions, where she's been matchmaking Australians for over 15 years. She is known within the media as Australia's millionaire matchmaker and is the author of 49 Secrets of an Elite Matchmaker. Let's head on over to Trudy. Trudy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I would love to know, a lot of our listeners are coming back into the dating world after coming out of a marriage or a long-term relationship. And I want to know, how has the dating landscape changed in the past decade or so? Without a doubt, the biggest change to the dating landscape has to be the introduction of dating apps. You know, the apps are designed to be like a game. They provide you with a notification when you get a match, which is similar to a win that that you might experience in a game. You get a dopamine hit every time you get a match and you get a message, which is another little win. And that dopamine hit is designed to keep you addicted to the apps. And the addiction can come very quickly. And it it happens to a lot of users. One in six claim an addiction to the app saying that it takes over their day and they think about it wherever they go. 
and statistically users spend around seven to 10 hours a week on the apps, swiping and replying to messages. I often hear singles say that finding a partner on an app is like having a full-time job. So what strategies, like for, for your members that have found a partner outside of membership of your agency, what are you finding are other strategies that they're using successfully to to find partners outside of the apps? Um, what they're doing is that they're engaging in social activities that will lead them to meet people that are like-minded. So they'll blend their activities to join social networks or industry groups. They'll use their community to help tap into their broader network. It takes a bit of work because obviously you want to be meeting people that are like-minded, that have common values, interests, lifestyle, life stage. So you have to be strategic with what you do and where you put yourself. You know, putting yourself online is on an app is just fraught with too many dangers and potential social issues that that you can face. I mean, I don't know if you guys know all about the the latest ones, like we all know about ghosting, catfishing. Have you heard of benching and pulling a pig? I haven't. Have you, Minnie? No, I haven't. Please do tell. All right. Well, we all know catfishing, right? Catfishing is taking on a fake online identity in order to trick people into an emotional or a romantic relationship. And this became very common after the movie Catfish in 2010. Now, I've had clients that have said to me, uh, particularly men, oh, I was communicating with this lovely girl online, found out that she was actually a prostitute and wanted to attract me as a client. Oh, my God. I've heard that happening. Yeah, I have heard of that happening. That is a very real possibility, and I've heard that numerous times. I think it's more and more common than we think. Ghosting, which we're all familiar with, which is when someone who you've been communicating with or dating just suddenly decides to go into radio silence, which is extremely traumatising because you're left wondering why without any answer. Then you've got benching, which according to the Urban Dictionary is basically like playing the field. It's when you like someone enough to keep them around but not enough to commit to them, so you'll kind of keep them there as a side option. And the last one, guys, pulling a pig, this one has to be the cruelest online behaviour yet. This is just absolutely appalling. It's where people will play a prank by flirting with someone who is less attractive than, than they are make that person fall for them, and this is where the term pulling a pig comes from, pulls them to another state or even country to meet up and then leave them hanging by essentially standing them up. What? Is this a sport or or for fun or for ego? Why would someone even want to do that? Very, very cruel, heartless trick that people are, are using other people's emotional vulnerability for, for sport. I mean, it's absolutely terrible. Going online is almost like playing Russian roulette with your emotions. You know, there is another big social issue that I talk to my members about, which is disposable dating. And this is a big problem that I think that online dating has caused. What I mean by that is that when you go on Tinder, you have a look around, you match with a few people, you chat, and then you go on a date. If things don't blossom immediately or if they do one thing wrong on your date, then you kind of go, well, I don't really think that's going to work out. Let me see who else is around. So you start to feel that there's an endless sea of options. And with this attitude, people easily dismiss any chance that you had of building something and they'll go back and pick someone else. 
you know, I have clients that we work out what the uh, non-negotiables are and what the nice-to-haves are. So, for example, the non-negotiables are things like, does he have good honesty and integrity? Is he kind? Is he smart? Is he chivalrous? A nice-to-have might be, oh, you know, I'd like him to be six foot two. I'd like him to have blue eyes. I'd like him to have a nice car and, and enjoy skiing and maybe, you know, be a, uh, teach me something, be a bit of a mentor. Now, if you came back after your date and told me, oh, look, he had all my non-negotiables, but he didn't have enough of my nice-to-haves, I would say you need to pull your head in. So for listeners at home that are maybe going, hang on, but over six foot was a must-have for me. What advice would you give to people in terms of helping them work through what are must-haves and how do we know that they are legitimately a must-have versus what are just the nice-to-haves? Because I think that a lot of people have trouble differentiating. I Look, I would agree with you. I think they do. And, a part, and, and part of my process is to talk through those uh, non-negotiables and nice-to-haves in a very candid manner and explain to them that, look, this is what we really need to focus on and steer them away from those things like he has to be six foot two. Now, if you're six foot, I get that you want to be with a tall partner. But if you're five foot two, then really how essential should that criteria be? What I'm concerned with is finding matches for people that have similar values and interests, life stage, energy levels. I think that a lot of single people nowadays tend to feel justified in holding out for their Mr. Perfect because they've been single for a period of time and they have this belief where they don't want to settle. I think that causes and and gets people into a lot of problems because you know, we have to focus on what the important criteria is and finding someone who's genuine, kind, caring, has honesty and integrity, is is, is reliable, is far more important than how tall they are or what colour eyes they have. So how do you then advise your clients around whether it is good enough, whether the connection is good enough? Like let's just say that the fireworks aren't going off after date three, but they've got a lot of the must-haves. How do you help guide clients make decisions as to whether to keep investing or try someone else? I tell people that if they are enjoying their date's company and each time they see them, they grow a little closer to continue that path. It sometimes can be a slow burn. I think a lot of the time we hope and dream of having an instant connection like in a Hollywood movie. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. From your experience, Trudy, given that you've match made a lot of relationships over more than the last decade, what percentage of the time would you say that those successful relationships did find that there was that initial spark versus it was a slow burn? I would say it's about half-half. I often receive calls from women who go, look, we've been out a couple of times. I like him. He's a nice guy, but I'm not sure if it's going to go anywhere. And I give them the same advice that I gave you before. And most of the time, the guy will woo her and they'll end up in a successful relationship. Trudy, when you're getting feedback from the two people that went on a date together, what sort of questions are you asking? So the questions I ask them after they go on a date are things like, well, uh, where did you go? Did he organise the date? How long was it? What did you talk about? Was he good company? Did he give you a compliment? What did you like? What didn't you like? We kind of dissect the whole day in a debrief so that I can almost feel like I was there, get a sense of how it went and how it ended. You know, did he tell you that he wants to see you again? Did he kiss you? You know, where are we going to next? 
For, for people that don't have you as kind of, I feel like you're this independent umpire, if you like, that, <laughs> that don't have the benefit of that. What are some of the signs that a guy was interested or a, girl. Uh, or a girl for that matter what are some of the signs to look out for particularly on a first date okay so if a guy's interested he'll give you a lot of eye contact and that eye contact might also often uh, extend to be a little bit longer than normal so that he's giving you an indication that he's attracted he'll obviously compliment you and I I like to tell my members to let the girl know at the end of the date that you're interested in seeing them again or at least text them after the date's over to check that they've got home okay, text them the next day to check in. But, you know, we're not talking about over texting, but just being communicative and showing that you have an interest in in the other person. And so if they don't text you to make sure you got home all day, all right, am I still in with a chance? (laughs) You're still in with a chance. But if you haven't heard from them, I would say within two or three days after the date, then your chances diminish daily. Real, so two or three days, you reckon? Yeah, I think if a guy's interested, he'll want to communicate with you and he'll want to make it known. He'll want you to know that he's interested. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Do you think that there are things that are off limits? Because I often get given the advice like don't ask about their ex oh, or their divorce. I love you for course. saying that. That is totally off limits. Don't ever talk about the ex. And if they ask you, it's a trap. So you've got to be careful. You don't talk about that stuff on the first date. So how do we avoid that trap? Okay, easily. I'll tell you. I'll give you a really cool tool to use. Now, you obviously can't avoid it completely. You can't just say, oh, let's not talk about that because that makes the other person worry. Why haven't, why aren't we going there? But what you do is you answer really briefly and you say something like, you know, if they ask you, why did you break up? You say, look, we just grew apart, but let's not go there tonight. I want to get to know you. Boom. You're back on track. You've basically steered the conversation back to a safe zone and you haven't taken the bait and and spilled the beans about your past relationship. Okay. So we like deflect questions like that rather than fall into the traps yeah. <laughs> is that like what else is off limits don't uh, use your date as a counseling session if you've had a bad day or you've had problems at work I've had uh, a client tell me that they went on a date with a lady that they met on on an app and he was a forensic detective and she ended up telling him a story about something that had happened to her with a past relationship. That topic dominated the entire date so much so that she was asking for his advice, his opinion, and at the end of the date he said, wow, I kind of feel like I should be sending you an invoice. Oh, Oh, no. no. That's a disaster. (laughs) And that was just absolutely terrible for him as an experience and it also indicates if you're talking about the ex a lot, you might not be ready to move on. So you're wasting somebody's time. These are things that we all pick up on when we're on a first date because it's a very vulnerable state. It's very fragile. You know, the aim of date one is to try and get to date two. And is it like, 
Is it to try to get to date two or is it to try to work out whether you want to get to date two? Because I feel like they're sort of two different mindsets to get into. To be honest, it is a bit of both. You can't ascertain enough from someone in a short one-hour date to know whether or not to eliminate them entirely as an option. They might become a friend. It might be something that develops over time. There are caveats to that, of course. If he is looking around the room at every other woman and and isn't isn't paying you any attention of course run okay but there will be some times where you don't get, you don't learn all about them and you do need some more time to to see where it could go so what should then going into a first date what should we be trying to learn about the person what we should be focusing on is trying to find out commonalities so things that you have in common whether it be interests or places that you've lived or people that you might know or you know values that you share it should be about like building synapses between you and your date for connectivity what do you share do you have a similar sense of humor do you both like running what's the potential chance that this person has to fit into your life whether it be a friend or as a romantic partner i think the conversation should be light and fun and it, it it's it needs to create its own dynamic where you walk away going gee i had fun being with that person and I think that what helps with that too is traditional gender roles where the woman can feel feminine and the man can, can feel masculine and that creates an environment for romance to generate. And how can women do that? Like how can they create that environment on the date, like in terms of making the man feel masculine, I guess. Yeah, by tapping into their feminine side and being, you know, uh, we have a lot of power as women that I don't think that we, we, we tap into enough. Women can be sensual. We can flirt. We can still maintain power. And by being feminine doesn't mean that you're being any less strong or any less dominant. It just means that you can use your feminine wiles to charm the the situation and and just you know be a little bit mysterious do you advise your clients on what are some polite exit strategies when things are just not going well i think it's better if you potentially set up that possibility before you meet something i actually did recently so i went on an ordinary date i think a couple of weeks ago now i remember i, I wasn't particularly looking forward to it and i called monique on the way there just to get a bit of a she had a bad attitude going in. Bad attitude. And then when he walked in, I'm just like, oh, no, it's not going to work. And so I then said, I'm so sorry. I have to leave in half an hour because I had to do a podcast interview. So that's how I managed it a couple of weeks ago and actually just had a half hour date, which was quite good. Look, when my members don't want to see somebody else, the advice that I give them after a date is give them two compliments and then the bad news. So you say, for example, look, it was lovely to meet you. I had a lot of fun, but I don't think that there's enough compatibility for us to move forward. So two nice things and one bad thing. I guess you could use that on the date and say, look, I've had a really nice time. We've got a lot in common, but I see us more as friends and I think I want to call it a night. Now, I know that's really hard to actually probably say to someone, but it's really respectful and it's more honest and you can get away. Yeah, I think people appreciate you being up front, but in my world we call that a shit sandwich. <laughs> no, nice. that, no, the negative thing has to be in the middle. So you go compliment, yeah, well, you don't could, want to see you compliment. Yeah, so what about <laughs> that was a really nice night. 
I'm going to end it though, even though it was a great conversation. <laughs> no, I, w- I wouldn't suggest doing compliment, negative compliment. I think you've got to go two compliments and a negative. And look, just be gracious about it. No, I like that. I, I reckon that's good, Trudy. That's yeah. a really nice way to let someone I down. like it too. Um, and so for, for listeners that are curious about the idea of trying an agency, what sort of people benefit most from coming to your agency? People who benefit coming to the agency most are those that are ready, that have taken time out from a past relationship to prepare themselves for a new one. We tell people they need to have a minimum of at least six months of being single. The people that benefit the most are those that are very much my target market, which means that they have the most compatibility with my other members. So people that that have similar values and interests and life stage. And, you know, my members, for example, uh, they're all business owners or professionals. So it's important for them to meet somebody else who is driven and intelligent and accomplished. They value health and fitness. So they want to meet someone else who doesn't smoke because that's important to them. They love learning and growing. So they love continuing education or podcasts or documentaries. So feeding the mind is an important value. And also, I'd say that the more open they are in terms of going onto a date with their non-negotiables, leaving their nice-to-haves, you know, as uh, focusing on that less and valuing that anyone that they would meet through me is going to be an interesting, intelligent, educated, lovely, charming person and to just be present and see what happens. And what's your success rate like? Our success rate is incredibly high and, look, we measure that in a lot of ways. So firstly, I've been introducing singles for 16 years and the fact that we're still here over that time is a testament to the job that we do. And and for people, for listeners wondering, well, how much does this cost? Can you give a ballpark of like what an annual membership looks like? Yeah, sure. So, look, basically it depends which agency you choose because there are varying prices and there are varying agencies that do different things. Mine caters for obviously a niche market of business owners and professionals. So when you are looking at what agency should I go with, you need to do your research, you need to go online, ask friends, call some of them and have a chat with them and you'll soon learn who you feel comfortable with and who you think will have the right clientele for you. So prices can range anywhere from two grand up to 15. It just depends on the quality of the matchmaker, what your requirements are and the degree of hands-on support that you would receive. And what's the guarantee that you put in place? Like, do I get any kind of guarantee for that outlay? In my agency, we have a guaranteed number of six dates in six months. And if we don't fulfill that within that time frame, then we'll extend your membership until we do. And what sort of questions should listeners be asking potential agencies that they're thinking of joining? I would ask them, how do you attract your members? Tell me what your members are like. Give me a bit of a profile breakdown of what they like doing and where they live and what their interests are. Why do they come to you? Do you have members that fit my actual criteria? How often would I receive a match? How often would I hear from you? That, those kind of things. And finally, how can listeners connect with you or Elite and learn more about your agency? Firstly, there's obviously our website, eliteintroductions.com.au, so they can go there. Uh, We have a lot of resources as well on our blog, which is eliteintroductionsreviews.com.au. 
We have our Facebook page. We have also other social media like our YouTube channel has lots of videos. And uh, you can just reach out and send us a, an email and we can see if we can be of assistance to you. Fantastic. That is great. We will link to all that in the show notes, Trudy. It has been absolutely fascinating hearing about really another way to go about dating and all the advice that you've got from the the years and years of experience that you have matchmaking people. So thank you so much for your time. You're welcome, guys. I love helping people find love and that's what I'm here for. So, Amantha, Trudy was interesting. What was your takeout from today's interview? Look, I think it's just a good reminder to think about what what are the must-have versus nice-to-have qualities. I feel like the dating apps really train us to look for things that are superficial and don't matter, like, well, don't matter to a huge degree, uh, like, you know, height and hair colour and things like that. Absolutely. It's so aesthetically driven that we tend to drive ourselves towards those desirables, forgetting what really matters. Yeah. I mean, if only the apps like could measure things like kindness and loyalty and reliability and all these things that are important, but you know, you actually have to commit to a date to find them out. Exactly. And I think that's why we find it so difficult to not get dating fatigue because it requires a commitment of time to then go on the date to see if those more important qualities are evident in the guy that we've found attractive. Yeah, it's so true. Like you can see for time poor people and time poor but money rich people why they would go to a matchmaking agency because it just... I feel like dating apps is just such an inefficient way of meeting people. Like you really have to have quite a bit of luck on your side, I reckon, to to have those all important qualities that Trudy talked about, as opposed to just prioritizing some of the superficial things. That is it for today's show. If you have enjoyed How to Date, why not share it with other people that you think could benefit from some of the advice that we are offering. And if you enjoyed this episode, we would love to get your feedback. Please leave us a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listened to this show from. And we will see you next time. See you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 